I'm just going with the flow. So, You're listening to Three Wise Truck Guys from Key Advisors. Hey, good morning, and uh, welcome to the Three Wise Truck Guys. This is our latest podcast um, coming to you from Lawrence, Kansas, and Birmingham, Alabama, and Fort Worth, Texas. So uh, welcome, Mark. Welcome, John. Back for another exciting time this morning. Boy, I'm really looking forward to it, too. <laughs> hey, hey, Mark, I'm not sure I'm feeling it here today, so you may have to carry me again, okay? So good luck <laughs> here this morning. I think hey, you I, carry us all, John. <laughs> I will tell you, uh, and I don't think I've told either one of you, I had a call Monday morning, and uh, this dealer said, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast. First of all, I apologize that he didn't have anything else better to do with his time. And he said that he was listening to it on drive time that he has between <clears throat> locations. And uh, it sparked a conversation about parts inventory health. And uh, he wanted to get really deep into parts inventory health. And it was driven by one of the topics that we've talked about on our podcast. So uh, we at least have two listeners now. My wife and this person, so uh, uh, so that's good. That's good. Keith, I get questions too. Okay, so we got it. We got it. We're developing a very robust audience out there. That's good. Well, again, welcome, gentlemen, and uh, Heidi. As always, thanks for making us look good. Um, today, we're going to talk about a topic that um, we know that several of our clients are way up to their knees in, probably over that. <clears throat> and it's something that we've been involved, the three of us, I'm guessing at least a hundred times in some in some manner. And that's the the process of changing business system vendors, dealership management system vendors, whatever you want to call it. And it may not even be changing vendors. It may be just upgrading to a new uh, to a new to a new uh, version, but, now the real the real rub is here when they change vendors, and so that process of changing um, business systems is probably um, the most disruptive process. John, I think you even say absolutely the most disruptive process yeah. that any dealership will go through, other than a other than a, a life and death situation with a with a principal or something like that. Um, Sale. Right, Keith. The sale yeah. dealership might be more disruptive, but uh, but but maybe not. This could be. Yeah. yeah, you know, we were talking to one of our customers the other day, and uh, the subject of, of a business system change came up with him. Um, they did it about two years ago, and his his statement was that is the worst business decision I ever made was was changing the the system. Uh, because of the disruption it brought to my business and we still haven't recovered from it yet so you know the ramifications of the decision that that you make to change business system providers it's going to cascade all the way down into your organization um, and it's going to impact really every employee that you've got and so you know we're going to talk about this today we very well may run over into a into a second podcast from this and we would welcome any feedback that our listeners have along these lines as well. Just to be clear, we're not suggesting that you never ever make a change. We know that there's there's many reasons to make a change. Um, OEs are involved in this much more than than they've ever been. Uh, the the number of of providers is is dwindling, and we'll talk about that some. 
But what we are going to talk about <clears throat> is the process that we've not just seen, but that we've been involved in. Um, we've been involved in a lot of these, both in terms of, I guess, Mark, what would you call it, upfront planning and preparation and building setups? Yeah, it, it's really about uh, uh, trying to keep from garbage in, garbage out, right? Okay, if uh, for whatever reason, if your database isn't cleaned up, if your processes aren't uh, uh, aligned to your DMS system and so forth, it's not going to get any better when you change. In fact, yep. it's probably going to get worse first. So, yeah. So we, like I said, we we're going to talk about what that process looks like, and it's everything. Like I said, we've been involved in everything from the pre-install, getting working on setups, doing uh, a process mapping and discoveries all the way through to dealerships and DMS providers that have, have installed a system and man, it did, to Mark's point, the database wasn't right or the training was not good or they didn't they didn't integrate the processes into it and there's a lot of cleanup and, and rebuilding that we've been involved in too. So um, that's what we're gonna talk about today. You know, one of the questions, Mark and John, that we do get a lot is, what's the best business system out there? What one should I go to? And I, I know that, number one, we never, ever will say switch to this one or that one. We're very agnostic in this. We, our, I think our reply is something along the lines of, hey, the best business system is the vendor you have right now, assuming that it's approved by, by your OE or you and the OE work together on that system you have. But the best one is what you have right now. What you really want to do is maximize utilization of it integrate the processes into that technology, make sure your setups are right, people know how to use the system, uh, those types of things. Mark, John, any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, ha having said that, Keith, okay, uh, you know, when you go to buy a new car or truck, okay, are you buying a Chevy, a Ford, a Dodge, uh, a GMC, you know, what's the difference? They all get you from point A to point B, right? So there are some differences in the systems. And what I always advise customers, if you're going to change, okay, if your current system is not doing what you want, okay, and you're sure that it's the system, then then uh, really think about where do you want to be in five years, and specifically, what do you want to do different than, you, than you're doing today? And uh, uh, so there may be a reason to change. Uh, in our experience, most of the time, they all take a little bit different approach to how they get there, but they all do the job. Yep, and I think that's really important. We've got some good vendors out there. They're really products that they offer is good. What we want to talk to you about today is how to how to utilize that uh, that product and how to really go through the process of, of making this decision. John, anything to say before we get started today? Well, look, I'd echo both your guys' thoughts, but all these systems are good, right? Uh, but Keith is uh, one old CPA to another. I guess I would just say, you know, I'm always more concerned about uh, underlying business processes. Uh, with the right processes, any of these systems are going to work just fine for you. And, yep. and I just think that uh, it's a very, it's a more constructive idea to spend your time looking at your systems and processes and, and then uh, taking your business from there. Well, all these systems work just fine if your underlying processes are functioning effectively. Right. And if it's aligned to the to the system's capabilities, right? And I think I think we all know. I think the three of us know that um, that that decision, which we'll talk about here uh, today, that decision is uh, 
certainly beyond just the the technology items, right? I mean, we there's there's comfort, there's uh, exploration of what of what what's coming down the pike from these business system providers. Certainly, cost impacts that as well. But you know what? We're happy that everybody's with us today. Uh, great, greatly appreciated that uh, you're listening to us. Again, we've we've got some great positive feedback on on our last podcast on facilities that we did with Corey Neal. I thought that was a great, great uh, hour spent with Corey. Um, you know, I just hope this one is as enlightening as that one. So, again, thanks for listening in. Mark, uh, let's start it off with best things and worst things that you've seen in the last month. What do you got for us today? You know, I, I, I think uh, uh, the, the best that I've seen okay and we have it right on our website okay is that the volume and service and parts is back pretty close to normal the volume of trucks coming in the volume of invoices the volume of repair orders okay having said that you know the dealers they're doing better and, and dealers not doing quite as good and we've talked before about managing your way through this or letting the the COVID issue the pandemic issue manage you and, and all the fears and so forth to go with that uh, unfortunately, and this kind of goes to the uh, downside of what I see, the volume in dollars per invoice or per repair order is still down around 20%, give or take. Uh, and that has to do with your process. Hopefully, as you've gone through this, you've honed your processes to do a better job, uh, to, to take better care of the customer, managing your pricing and so forth. And to that point, I think some of the volume is back because of the extensive discounting that's going on, the nervousness that's happened uh, to get customers in during the uh, the low point, which was probably in May, uh, at the lowest point of volume from a fixed operation standpoint. Okay, instead of if we want right the price, instead of selling the benefits, and that you're a danger of devaluating what you do when that happens. So uh, that's kind of my best and worst right now Great. And without Thanks. talking about any specific dealership thanks john um keith i'm gonna i'm gonna say communication that's going to be my subject for today um one dealership in particular uh has taken the time you know it is is kind of aware that the, the employees have questions and, and is trying to acknowledge all the uncertainty around COVID here so uh they did an anonymous uh, questionnaire about a variety of subjects and then they uh they took all those responses and they kind of percolated them together to get uh, a listing of the most significant concerns of all the employees and had a town hall meeting where they could respond to the top five issues that were on the majority of the employees minds and they responded uh, to those concerns and questions very directly and forcefully so i, I just uh, thought that was kind of a creative and and a very rigorous process to try and, and get the key issues out on the table and speak to them um i guess the worst uh, if you would would be the reciprocal of that right where where people aren't engaging their employees and asking them what's on their mind and asking them what's keeping them from being productive uh, that would be my two cents for this this podcast communication I've got, you know, the best that I've seen, and, and uh, Mark, you and I were talking about one this morning, but we've spent a lot of time in the last 45 days looking at what is the return on investment that our customers are getting from what we're delivering to them. Um, I know we've got, uh, you know, we 
we've had this question from Gary Weissbaum, who's asked us about, hey, what type of returns are you getting as, as I talk to, to prospects and customers out in the marketplace? And I think a few of those numbers have astounded Gary. I, I know, Mark, we've got a couple that are 1,000, 1,500%, you know, that, yeah. that, that are return on investment. And uh, some of them are a little harder to quantify in terms of, uh, in terms of, um, of what the actual financial impact is. But, right. you know, we're talking about one yesterday of, of uh, a Packard Solutions implementation and utilization. And, and, and so how, the, how that's driving their platinum scorecard. Is that right, Mark? Yeah. How that's driving that platinum scorecard. So we've talked a lot about ROI internally because that's why customers buy what we do. But, you know, the one we were talking about this morning, Mark, even though even though it's just paid for itself, really. I mean, it's just paid for itself in the last year. It's a 100% return on investment, increase in net profit divided by the cost of people, invest, the cost of our customer investing in us. What you and I talked about this morning was in terms of the value that that's going to bring for that entire dealership group ongoing is immense. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the rebuild that it took to uh, to educate the staff on what it meant to run a dealership, uh, to, to put the right people in place, to, to teach those people, uh, to define the processes. You know, work in process was a huge issue with this with this group. And so part of this was closing repair orders out that were losing money. Yeah. But, these, you know, those, those repair orders were not just short gross. They were negative gross in many cases. And so they're staying right. open. So all that being said, that project still returned 100% ROI. And, and the go forward on that is immense for them. Absolutely. And it sets a foundation for, for more improvements, right? Yep, it does. You know, the, the worst, John, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo off of what you said. Uh, it, it, not so much the the communication piece, but um, you know, one, one of the things our church is doing is is a is a, a book study, and it has to do with leading off the map. And they're comparing they're comparing how you how you change an organization, and it's any organization, whether it's a, uh, whether it's us, whether it's a dealership, whatever it is, to the Lewis and Clark expedition. And if you think about Lewis and Clark, they came up over the over the mountains of the Continental Divide, expecting to see a river flowing down to the Pacific Ocean, and all they saw was more mountains. And so at that point, they knew they couldn't canoe anymore. They had to figure out how they uh, how they trekked on to the to the West Coast. And you know, this, this author terms it leading off the map, um, and it it has so much to to apply to what we've gone through in the last six or seven months. I can even apply it a lot to myself about the disorientation that happened in March and April. And in many cases, I've still felt that disorientation probably up through up through the end of August, maybe mid-September. In that time frame, I kind of started to figure out what the reorientation was. It wasn't the way we had always done things before. Not just delivering to customers, but internally, trying to simplify things down. Uh, internally, looking at how we did things, um, and and I think we're still a long ways from where we want to be as a company. But you know, I think that whole thing has happened to many, many different companies, and that disorientation that's happened. Mark, you talked to the volumes increasing, but 
maybe lowering prices, that's still disorienting to people. But they're trying to reorient them themselves. Hopefully they, number one, looked at what reality is and how do we reorient ourselves to to where we're at. And we may never have been here before, so we have to we have to start experimenting and trying what see what works and what doesn't and and uh, you just can't sit there and do nothing and and uh, and hope that that it'll go back to normal you also just can't just start throwing everything at the wall so it's it's a real thought process some real some real tasks on leadership and uh, I think John your idea of communication and really reaching out to those employees and and the the team to make sure that they're engaged is is certainly something I've not done as well as I should have um, but it's also something that I think we all know that and I know that uh, that to, to be successful and to, to move to continue to move forward is something that uh, myself as an owner and uh, and and I think any leader has to to say I guess stick my neck out and it's time to time to move on so I, I, I really like the thought of, of this leading off the map idea and uh, um, you know well that's it may not be the worst uh, those that, that are not embracing this time that are just kind of ignoring it um, I think it's that's the worst I would see because things have really changed um, business has changed the world has changed so and, and the good the upside to that okay is that even if you haven't to this point, okay, we still know what the customer wants. Whatever department they're coming in, we know what the customer wants, okay, and that's ever-changing, but we're, I think most of us are pretty good at keeping an eye on what the customer wants. What's changed is how do we deliver that? Yep. With the new technology that we're going to talk about today, somewhat with the new customer demands, with the, you know, going through the pandemic, how it affects each 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 of our customers and so forth okay and how a dealership uh customers feel about it and to john's point the best way to get through that true leadership is through operational awareness which is internal communications and and showing empathy and talking to your people and keeping them involved so good job well that was a lot of deep discussion right there why don't we uh why don't we move on um because we are going to talk about these these business system providers, and in, in reality, not the providers themselves, but how the process works in changing business systems. And I think, first of all, uh, these are not just observations. Um, these are things that we, the three of us and our teams have experienced over the last 20, 25 years. I know, Mark, that uh, that in your prior life, part of, uh, part of your task was trying to figure out how to integrate not the the uh, implementation of a new business system, new technology with with some processes from from uh, from the consulting side that you ran. So we're going to talk about that. You know the the interesting thing is that if we go back in time and John helped me out here, but I'm guessing if we went back 20 years, I bet we have 15 or so business system providers out there that are servicing. The, the dealership market in some manner um, 20 in, in, in the year 2000? I think that's as good a number as any, Keith. But, uh, you know, there's certainly been the core guys. But, right. but the, the fragmentation, 
And, you know, one of the common themes between why all those guys existed and what we're talking about today is cost, right? Dealers were always right. for a more cost-effective solution, and some of these smaller guys could, could provide that, but at least 15. Yep. So that, that number, though, has declined. I mean, we're down to really, what, four, maybe five system providers that, that are out there, that, and there's, there's the, what we'll call the big three that are, that are uh, being being. Um, they have the most market share. Yeah. yeah, and being recommended and being uh, uh, not just recommended. And what would be the right term? How about supported by the OEs? Supported right? by the OEs. So many of these guys. Yeah. And that combined with the consolidation of the dealer base is really driving that number of business system providers down. You know, as we said, the number of dealerships have changed. It's, it's the owners are... are decreasing but the sophistication of those owners the financial sophistication operational sophistication is growing and so now the dealers are expecting more from the from the business system vendors and John you talked about cost earlier those cost pressures that the dealers are facing they're also now challenging the the uh, uh, DMS providers to what the what the price is and what they get for that price so they're they're thinking about how do we utilize the system more? How do we use that system to reduce headcount? How do we streamline processes? How do we report better? Everything is coming from that dealer, uh, from that dealer point of view. And you know we're engaged right now on on one of these where the dealer the the, the scope was look at my staffing and tell me what my staffing levels should be. And as we started at that, the first thing that popped out was. There was two or three processes that were very manual, in fact, very um, duplicative, if that's a word, and uh, they were doing things twice or three times, and they weren't working within the business system. And when you look at what happens if they work within the business system and the flow that, that the system creates, the checkpoints and so on, there's a, tr there's a, a significant number of staffing levels that could be reduced uh, for this one dealership group by by really really enhancing utilization of the business system, and I think that's you know that's something that that we hear a lot um, is how do I improve the utilization of that of that of the system, and this is not again about about cutting heads. Um, so you know I think I think this is we continue to have these conversations with with our customers. Certainly, the business system vendors are, are recognizing that, that things are changing. I think, again, this is much, what we're going to talk about is so much more than observations. These are things that we've been engaged in, the three of us, um, in many cases intimately, uh, for probably 100 or so of these conversions. You know, we've seen everything from where we get engaged on helping building the setups and helping building the processes and, and doing a discovery as to what the new business system would look like and how we reorient those processes and really building the setups and structure to support that business system and coming back in after the fact and after the, the DMS provider has trained on how to open a ticket or do a journal entry or uh, those types of things and then teaching how to integrate the, the business system into a new process, that's probably best case 
all the way down to where the system has been installed. The database wasn't correct. Um, the data was not correct. Nobody knew how to use the system. And so now we're coming in on the backside and, and rebuilding the whole thing in essence. And we've been somewhere in between of those two, those two things as well. And so, you know, those observations, those participations is, is what's going to guide our discussion here. So what we're going to talk about today is, is simply this. What are the keys to selecting your new business system provider, your new DMS provider? So this has to keep in mind one thing's marked that we said first, which is the best option may be not to make a change at all, right? It, but right. it's to utilize your, your current system better. It may mean that you that you need to look at your business, Mark, as you said, and hey, the system provider doesn't fit where I'm headed. But we do know there's some common themes in, in, uh, in these success factors. So uh, um, if you start to think about these keys to success, you know, our, I think our opinion is is that you're going to have a, a lot better a lot better outcome. Mark, I know that you've been involved in this for a long time. You want to give a little background on on how in your prior KE prior to KEA life, you know what you were you, your company was bought by a business system provider with the thought of trying to integrate process and technology. I'm going to give a little back, a little background on that, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, we, we were bought by a major uh, uh, DMS provider, amongst other business entities that they had, and uh, uh, with the thought of integrating process to the to the software to the product they were selling. Uh, in reality. Of course, that added cost, and it never really got off the ground. But every time we ran a test program to look at the benefits of it, okay, uh, they were always there uh, exponentially. Okay, you know, so you know what I learned from that. Okay, uh, well, I couldn't change the company; it was too big for Mark to change. Okay, uh, or, or their ideas. Okay, what I learned from it is uh, uh, you need to manage it at the dealership level or have somebody like hopefully like us but somebody that will help you walk through it you know the first question i always ask a dealer what's what's the biggest problem you're trying to solve why don't you like your current uh, provider okay and uh, and they'll talk about utilization okay or lack of utilization well whose fault is that in some cases it is the vendor's fault Okay, but when you look at the turnover typical dealership has at many of those lower positions that utilize it, okay, it's usually pretty large, and they've never taken time to align to align their process to that. Okay, so you know what's what do you want from this new solution that's different from what you're doing today? Okay, and uh, you know what is it every part of your business or certain parts of your business that that aren't aligned? Okay. Um, you know, just just common sense stuff, okay, of aligning the process, integrating the process. So if it was me, I would start with what's the best practice process I want to to implement in each department, oh, and and uh, that's the most efficient for my frontline employees to use, and then find a business system that matches that the closest and. I'm going to give you some more chance to expand on that here in a few minutes, Mark. John, you've done this. 
you've been involved in these things for probably 30 years as well, I'm guessing. Well, look, I think Mark is uh, really kind of hitting on the first key to success in this uh, in this transition process. And the first key to success is having a pretty, I mean, as Mark, to your point, as obvious as this sounds, you better take a step back and you better have a pretty clear expectation or a definition of what it is that you want to accomplish uh, if you're going to make a change in your business system vendor. I, I think that's, uh, I think that's critical. More often than not, Keith, whether dealer or principals will admit it or not, uh, you know, this really is a, is a, more often than not, the change is made because of a cost. They think they're getting a better deal with one, one vendor versus, versus another. And at the end of the day, when all the dust settles, you know, the market's pretty efficient. All these guys are, are priced right on top of each other. You're not going to save a whole lot of money by making a change. And if you haven't taken the first step to sit down and clearly define what your expectations are and what you want to accomplish and what your future business state should look like with this new business system or your existing business system, then the likelihood that you're going to have a successful outcome is, is not very high. So the, so the first step that we're going to talk about is defining the, the critical objectives, the critical business objectives that you're you want that business system to satisfy. I know there's there's four others that we're going to bring into this, and one of them, Mark, you touched on, is the process improvement opportunities um, that has to be addressed really before you make any of those changes to your business system. I know that we want to talk about integrating the entire organization into that vendor selection process. I know, John, you've got, uh, both you and Mark, have some pretty passionate thoughts on that. <clears throat> The fourth one has to do with uh, validating what we're what we're told that we're going to get. It's not that that the that what we're what's being represented is is not trustworthy. It's just I think we use the term trust but verify. And uh, finally, that discipline implementation plan for setups, training, timing, conversion of data, uh, integrating processes, and so on. So, John, let's go back to what what we started with here in terms of the of aligning the uh, critical business objectives with the the business system. Like I said, you've you've done this for for thirty years and, and engaged in these conversions in different facets. Um, you want to expand a little bit more on uh, on this idea of alignment of the of business objectives and the uh, business system. Well, so yes, Keith. Let me. Uh, so, but but I think the. The important point here is the dealer principal needs to take a step back from the business, maybe get outside the office, spend a half day in his home office and start thinking about what success looks like and what his expectations are broader than just from a P&L and cost standpoint, okay? There's a lot of questions that, uh, that, that need to be asked here as it relates to trying to define your expectations. What will the new system do that the current system doesn't do, right? That's a, that's a really important place to, def, to start this discussion. Um, w will I be able to close my books faster? Will I be able to close my books more accurately? You know, from a technical standpoint, what am I going to get with a new system that my current system doesn't provide? Um, from internal controls and process management, will the new system do something that my current system doesn't do? Uh, and not just in your accounting department, by the way, right? That's an easy place, and it's kind of a soft place to look in your organization to take to take uh, cost out. But but really, the business system cascades through the whole enterprise. So, you know, 
what what changes am I going to be able to make in my operation with this new system, not just in my accounting department, but also in all my, my operating departments? How long will the learning curve be? What kind of training is available to, to minimize the learning curve? What operational analysis will the new system provide that the, that the current system doesn't provide? And how will it allow me as the, as the dealer principal, how will it allow me to run the business more efficiently and more effectively? Um, and then, you know, I think the last question um, is, are there, are there processes that I should be looking at first as opposed to, you know, kind of systemic things? So there's a whole bunch of questions that, that a dealer principal needs to go through and consider and, and really be candid with himself on in order to understand uh, what, what his expectations is and will, the, will any system, which system would be the best system for, for meeting those expectations. You know, I think that was very well stated, John, okay? And the one thing I would add is involve your team. Drill it down, okay? Involve your team in all departments in the research that you're doing and in the planning uh, because the, the guys on the front line know what it, what it needs to do, all right? And, and what, they, what would make them more efficient, take better care of customers or increase workflow and so forth. Yeah, I think uh, so, that's a big part of the process you know, too, Mark. Make sure, right yeah, uh, because what happens, what I've seen happen over the years is, is it's made at a high level within the dealership. The decisions made for the new technology, the new capabilities, uh, and, and then when it comes time to install it, the managers are, don't have buy-in because they haven't seen it being pushed down on them. So they're going to fight the change to begin with. Uh, they're not energetic about the training, the pre-training before it comes up involved. And when it comes time for the setup, the only thing they know is to have it set up the same way they were doing business before. And consequently, they're not getting the benefits of, of the new technology that they're buying. So I, I know we're talking, uh, you know, a lot about uh, the, the way we start to, to, to identify objectives and the vision of what success looks like. Uh, and I know Mark, we're going to get more into that in, into the the the, the um, evaluation process here, in a, of, of using the team. John, when when they're going through this, you know, defining objectives. You know, to Mark's point, it's many times it's many times the the owner, the executive team has a you know, and I think Mark, you say something like. Uh, most of the time, it's that, that the view of this is to try and save some money, and and reality is they're probably not going to save any money by making these changes. That's probably not the good objective that you're shooting for. I guess what I'm trying to say. Keith, uh, well, I saving think money. The I think Go the ahead, point yeah. that we're driving at here is uh, you know the herd mentality takes over more often than not. This dealer just switched to this business system. This must be uh, this must be the way to go, or there's a pile of money to be saved here. And the and the, really the first key to success here is getting beyond just that that uh, flavor of the month, saving a few dollars to really using the business system as an enabler to drive process improvement in the business. That's, I think, the point where the, the real okay. success here is getting past doing what everybody else is doing or, or looking at this as a cost savings opportunity and getting into the business system as a driver of process change in the dealership. I, 
I think that's where we're really trying to sit here. Who, who do you engage in this discussion? Is it a dealer-only discussion at this high level of objectives? <laughs> well, you know, I think I think that's another key to success, Keith, is uh, in this, in this process is is the selection process, and who you, and we've we've all seen this done many many times successfully, and we've seen it done unsuccessfully. And the point that Mark was trying to make a little bit earlier is, uh, you know, when, when you just engage the leadership team, the manager, the, the dealer principal, the CFO, uh, maybe even the parts and service managers, you know, you've really limited the opportunity for success in this. This needs to be much deeper into the organization. It needs to be much broader and for the exact reasons that uh, Mark has touched upon. Most people at the executive level really don't understand their business system, what its capabilities are, and more importantly, how the people use it every day to try and drive productivity in the business. Right. So got I selection process got to got to really deeply engage the organization. You may lose a little bit in productivity, right? There's always a buzz when everybody thinks that you're making a change in this order of magnitude to the to the dealership. Okay, and there's a there's a chance that productivity is going to take a little bit of a hit here short term, but longer term you're much more exposed if you don't get parts countermen, if you don't get the service writers, if you don't get your warranty, if you don't get those kinds of people involved in the process, you know, it's not likely you're going to be happy with either the conversion itself or how long it takes to fully optimize the use of your new system or existing system. So step one is we got to define the critical business objectives that we, that this business system must satisfy. That is step one. Mark, Agreed. step two, step two has to do with process improvement opportunities. And and we said that need to be addressed before any changes are made to the business system. Can you expand on that a little bit? And because this is a real, this is a real passion point for you, um, you know, of, of going back to what's the best business system? Hey, utilize the one you've got first before, before you make any other decisions. Can you expand on this process improvement before any business system decision is made? It, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot, okay? I, I guess, you know, it starts with uh, look, looking back at, at uh, uh, changeovers, transition from one to another that didn't work. And, and when it didn't work, they didn't have the frontline buy-in. There was no plan to get people trained specifically, and there was no sharing of that information of what the new technology is and, and the advantages it brings. In other words, if I'm if I'm a service manager or I'm a parts manager or a huge truck manager, okay, or the people that work for them, what's in it for me? All right. How how is this going to help me achieve our mission as a company? Achieve our goals and standards. Okay. And and the process Okay, it's what allows us to execute, to John's point, more pr productive, more efficient, and so forth, uh, and communicate better internally and externally. Uh, so we have responsibilities in there. That's the missing piece in most of these implementation pieces. Responsibilities from the vendor side to do what they've sold you, but responsibility on the dealer side to prepare. And the process is a huge piece. Okay, again, it goes back to that question we said before, why do we want to change? What are we looking to improve? If that has to do with profit, 
how do I get more profit? It's going to come down to process and efficiencies to get more profit, right? Okay, and the, the system is a tool to help us do that. So if I don't clean up my process, if I don't make it as efficient and productive as I can and focus, customer focused, okay, before I go on the system, I'm going to end up changing everything down the road once I realize that, that I'm not meeting the goals I set to begin with. Okay. John? Hey, yeah, let me give you another example. I think uh, what Mark just said is really, really important. Uh, uh, maybe a more tangible example is, uh, you know, one of the key things that every dealers looking for their business system to do is help manage their parts inventory more effectively. And boy, we're up to our elbows right now in OEM dealer ordering systems, right? And the point that I'm trying to make is nobody, none of the, the three major uh, business system vendors right now, they're all going to help you manage your, your parts inventory more effectively, but none of them is going to be able to resolve the issues that are intrinsic to the OEM uh, parts ordering systems right now. So there's an example of a process that you could be taking a look at that will have a much bigger bang for your buck than, uh, than you know, alterations to your existing or new business system might. Does that, does that make sense? If you follow that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was, I, I had even made a note here, you know, and, and John, I think you, you answered it somewhat for me, but Mark, I'm going to come back to you. You know, you, you talk you talk a lot about these processes with 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 our customers, um, broken processes, mostly on the service the body shop side, but certainly, I mean, your skill and, and expertise, um, educational level as a black belt and Six Sigma and, and lean, you can look at any process and, and identify where the waste is at. Um, but I think I think that that. That when you look at, at at a process, a service process, let's say right now, and and we're huge advocates of using, of of mapping the process out the way it should be, building that with the service team, putting the tools in place, and in many places, in it, in many cases, it's using the decisive product because we've seen what the results can yield on that of throughput and profitability and so on. Uh, integrating that into in with the DMS and into that into that process, would you say, Mark, that in many cases, um, not all, and, and it doesn't mean that the ch that the decision changes, but that when you start to really work on the process and fix that broken process, that the quote need to change business systems. Um, alleviates itself somewhat because the process is what the, the really broken piece is. It's not the business system itself. Does that make sense to my question? Absolutely dead on. Okay, absolutely dead on. There are more issues. In my opinion, I'm the oldest guy here, right? Okay. In my opinion, okay, the process is what needs to be worked out, worked on, regardless of what DMS system you're on. Okay, they all do things a little bit different. They all have a little bit different view. Uh, you know, this one uses 13 inch tires, that one uses 15 inch tires, okay, and so on and so forth, okay. But they all get the job done. They may require you to change your process, so it's important that when you're re engineering your process before you go on a system to know, have already done the research for what direction you're going. I'm going to buy ABC uh, uh, DMS system, 
okay, I want to align my process so I can use that system to help me manage the process, the daily daily duties, daily roles that need to be done. And and the if you don't involve your frontline people, okay, you don't know what those are. Uh, when I when I uh, studied Lean and Six Sigma, uh, there's a saying, and, and I forget the Japanese word, but it means put on your boots and go out there and see what's going on. Okay, and the and too often the executive management doesn't do that, and they don't understand that front line, and they don't need to, but they need to involve those people in the decision. Uh, we're looking at a, a change. We're working with a customer right now, and the particular vendor they chose uh, isn't going to match with their current process. Now, they already have a very efficient process that we help them with, but because they're changing systems, we're going to need to revise that process now to match the new system. Not that, not that they can't get it done, okay, but, but it's going to be different on that, on that process. Okay. You've been to these stores as much as I have, or, or close to it, okay, and the thing immediately after an installation from the frontline people is this takes more keystrokes. Well, they're focused on the areas to take more keystrokes, not focused on the areas to take less. They're not focused on what the efficiencies are. Those efficiencies won't be there if you don't align your process to it. And that's where, where it really blows up. Thanks for listening to Three Wise Truck Guys from Key Advisors. Stay tuned next month to hear our second part of the conversation on DMS conversions. 